Welcome to Sea Road Online. So glad that you're joining us for church. We are in week two of a seven-week series titled The Miracles of Jesus. Now I want to say right off the bat, I believe in miracles. I have seen miracles. In fact, I'm the recipient of miracles. I have been healed of arthritis. I have been healed of asthma. My wife, she's been healed of carpal tunnel. We have seen many miracles throughout our lives. But I'm not preaching for people to get a miracle. I'm preaching to help you discover the miracle worker, the real Jesus. And if you've got a story, go ahead and let us know if you've received a miracle in our comments section. Not to glory in the miracle itself, but rather to glory in the miracle worker, our Messiah. Now the main idea of this series is to show that Jesus has absolute authority and power over the devil, over sickness, over death, and nature. Jesus worked miracles to confirm to everyone his identity, his mission, and his character. He has absolute authority. He is the master of the universe. Now, I know that we still experience the works of the devil. We still experience sickness and death and natural disaster. The full eradication of all that is evil will come at the end of time. But we do get glimpses of the promise of eternity, life and health and well-being throughout history. And the reason Jesus worked miracles was to point people to the promise of eternity with him as Messiah. Now last weekend, we celebrated Easter Sunday and Pastor Justin shared how Jesus raised a dead girl back to life and he had also healed a woman who had been ill for 12 years. Now in both of those instances, these women represented the destitute in society. We had the lost potential of a young woman and the desperate isolation of another. But the compassion of Jesus healed both and it was a demonstration of resurrection power. So whatever desperation that any of us might feel, Jesus is indeed our help. Now this weekend, I'm gonna be sharing how Jesus has the power even over nature and the elements. He displayed that power to prove that he indeed was the Messiah. But we're going to look at those events to see what we can apply in our lives today. But first I wanna give you an overview. During his earthly ministry, Jesus Christ, he touched and he transformed countless lives. And like so many of the uh, other events in the life of Jesus, his miracles were documented by eyewitnesses. The four gospels, they record 37 miracles that Jesus performed, with Mark's gospel recording the most. Now, of course, these 37 recorded miracles are only a small number of the multitudes of people that were made whole by our Savior. In fact, the closing verse of John's Gospel states this, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that not even the whole world would have room for the books that would be written. So, the historical evidence is that Jesus 
performed miracles. I want us to look into the why of it. And I'm going to be talking about three reasons. First of all, the miracles of Jesus demonstrate and prove that he is the Messiah and that we should believe in Jesus. That's why he did it. Now, his best friend when he walked this earth was John. And John wrote this. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John wrote it. He and hundreds of other disciples lived it, and many died for it. Now, my best friend, he's a great guy. I love him. But if he was lying about something, I would not die for him. Sorry, Todd. All of Jesus' disciples, they eventually died for him. They would not relent. They insisted that he was the Messiah. And they just couldn't deny what they saw. Jesus proved he was the Messiah, and miracles were a part of that proof. And his best friend, John, well, he wrote it down so that people would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Second, Jesus' miracles also provided confirmation of his message about the kingdom of God. This is especially helpful for those who doubt. We have an example in Jesus' own cousin, another man named John, John the Baptist, when he doubted. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, he records this. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? And Jesus replied, you go back and you report to John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Jesus used miracles to prove to people that not only was he the Messiah, but that his teachings about the kingdom of God were true. And you know, he's even allowed for miracles after his ascension into heaven. He was crucified, died, buried, he rose from the dead, and then he ascended into heaven. And even after his ascension, he allowed for miracles. Acts chapter 14 uh, is one example. It says this, At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. And there they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe, they stirred up other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas, they spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. Jesus continues to allow for miracles even today to prove to people that he is indeed the Messiah and that his message is true. And there are many who can testify to what Jesus still does today. Thirdly, the signs and wonders of Jesus 
testify to his compassion for people and his longing to people set free from all kinds of bondage. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, the greatest miracle is yet to be seen. It's at the end of time when all sickness will be eradicated. Now, while we walk this earth, we get some glimpses, we get hints, we get examples, we get evidence kind of here and there. The all-encompassing healing is yet to come. So that's the overview of this series, the why Jesus performed miracles. We're going to look at several of them so that we can learn other things beyond the truths that he is Messiah, that he brings the kingdom of heaven to earth, and that he is characteristically compassionate. So the miracle that we're going to look at, at uh, today is found in Mark's gospel. Now in this instance, Jesus had been teaching and ministering to large crowds throughout the day. And when evening came, Jesus decided to leave the crowds of people by taking several boats to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And during this trip, Jesus fell asleep. Now, this event is actually a great reminder that Jesus was not just 100% divine. Of course, he was indeed 100% divine, but as well, 100% human. So Jesus, just like us, he became physically exhausted. In fact, he was so tired that he slept through the storm. Let's look at it. It's in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the, wa the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and they said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified, and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. The disciples, they're freaking out. By this point in their lives, they've seen Jesus heal people of all kinds, of sickness, of fever, of leprosy, of paralysis. They've even seen him drive out an evil spirit out of a man in their synagogue. By now, um, Jesus, he's exercising authority over nature, over the elements, over weather and storms. Their understanding that Jesus was a remarkable man, a man sent from God, a miracle worker, is now getting expanded. You know, Jesus actually had opposition before this. He had been accused of being possessed by the devil. But his disciples, they're sticking with him. Jesus, he still went on healing. He still went on teaching like no one had ever taught before. He'd been talking about being Lord of the Sabbath, stuff like that. And now he commands the wind and the waves by his word 
peace, be still. He is more than just a miracle worker. He might actually be God after all. That's what these disciples are discovering. And the intensity of the storm, it's communicated to the reader. These waves, they were so large that they were breaking into the boat and filling it with water. The disciples, some of whom were experienced fishermen, were fearful that they would drown. It is the stuff of movies, of like a great action adventure. And it's in this intensity that this man of God, this miracle worker that they've been following, lies asleep on a cushion. And I guess they couldn't uh, bail the boat out fast enough, so they go and they wake him up. And they say, don't you even care? I'm going to ask you, does that feel a little bit like what you might be going through? It seems like a storm is raging all around us. Our boats are nearly capsizing. And you might wonder if God is asleep. Do you really care? And you might even shout at God things like, well, how come the N95 masks haven't been delivered yet? You know, I, why can't I get tested? I've had symptoms. Uh, some families might say things like, I'm physically distanced from some very helpful people in my life, and yet I'm cooped up with people who yell at me or hit me or worse still. God, are you sleeping? Don't you care? I'm about to drown here. You know, when the disciples challenged Jesus, when his followers, his friends doubted him and accused him of not caring, they were fearing for their very lives. What did he do? He replied to them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Yeah, I know he calmed the storm. Yeah, he revealed more about his divinity. He showed his hand as it were that he indeed was God, but then he goes after a root of fear that is wrecking the faith of his disciples. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I get it. Life sucks sometimes. We experience storms, but why are you so afraid? One author, he said this, as followers of Jesus, our faith in God is not merely to trust him for our eternal destination, but to trust him in everyday life, trusting him in the storms of life. You know, we are post-crucifixion, we're post-resurrection, we're post-ascension into heaven. All of that stuff happened a long time ago. We are privileged to be living in the light of redemption. And most of us know the Easter story, and many of us know that Jesus died for our sins. What he did for us, that was the ultimate way to communicate his care for us. The master of the universe, he took my sins. He died in my place so that I could have eternal life with him. He cares. So when I experience storms and hardship and the heartache of life, rather than accuse him, don't you care, I recall his sacrifice and his amazing love for me. And you know, I might also have to consider his questions. Raj, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And you know, maybe I've got to answer honestly. Well, I'm so afraid because, 
and fill in the blank, whatever the true answer is. In fact, identifying it might help me as a first step to the remedy. I may also have to consider his second question. Do you still have no faith? And if I answer honestly, you know, I'm like, well, no, I've got some faith. That's my honest answer. But I think I hear his spirit say, well, guess it's time to exercise it then. You know, this passage is a passage full of questions. First, the disciples ask, don't you care? Then Jesus asks, why are you so afraid? And then he asks, do you still have no faith? But the final question in the passage is one that comes from the disciples again. And I think it's a vital question for each of us today. The question was this, who is this? Who is this who even calms the wind and the waves? You know, even though the disciples had seen Jesus perform other miracles before this point, they still didn't know exactly who Jesus was. Now, did they believe him to be the Messiah, the anointed one? Probably. However, they did not yet have the concept that the Messiah would be divine, and certainly not that he would suffer. They, they thought in terms of a human rescuer, like a Moses or a David. The miracles of Jesus force us to come to a decision concerning Jesus. He was no ordinary man, not even an ordinary miracle worker. He is indeed God. You know, King David, he wrote prophetically way back in the day in Psalm 107 when he said, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. So when we encounter storms in life and it feels like they're crashing against us and about to overcome us and even drown us, let us put our faith in Jesus and know that he loves us and he cares for us tremendously. Now maybe Jesus will calm the circumstances that are coming against us. We have many testimonies of that. Or maybe he'll just calm us while the storm rages on. Now, I'm sure you've heard that before, but it bears repeating. Why? Because we're in it right now. And honestly, it's not a pat answer. Turn to him in faith, in prayer, and thanksgiving. And you know, the peace of God will calm. It will calm our hearts and our minds in the midst of the storms that we're facing. All throughout history, Old Testament, New Testament, modern day, God has been calling his people to calm. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, something supernatural happens when we really trust him. Now, the last thing I want to say is this. When you know the answer to the question, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. When you know that answer, then you can rest in a, his identity. He is your Messiah. You can rest in his message. The kingdom of God is at hand. And 
you can rest in his character. His compassion for you is evident. I'm going to ask you to let me pray for you. God, I do pray that you would let your peace be evident in our lives, that you would visit us supernaturally. Lord, I'm even asking that you would um, heal our circumstances, the situations that many find themselves in. Would you calm those storms, literally and figuratively? And Father, where we just need ourselves to be calmed, let your Holy Spirit fill us so that we could rest in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I want you to think about the truth of what I've shared today as the worship team sings this next song. And if you need peace, contact us through our website, centennialroad.com, and we will pray for you and we'll be in contact to help you on your faith journey. God bless you.